Welcome to another episode of the Impel Fort Podcast. I'm your host, Leon. What's going on? Today I have with me a special, special guest. Special, special guest. Um, This lady here uh, means a lot to me. She's a family member. And she brought me into her home when I was released from prison. Her and my uncle. But with no further ado, I'm going to bring her in. I hope I'm doing this right, because I don't know what I'm doing, really. But here it goes. You got it. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. Awesome. Welcome to the MPL4 podcast, Dr. Adrena Jones Bunton. Hope everything's going well with you, Auntie. Everything is going awesome, nephew. I hope everything is going well with you. Yeah, everything's going good. Glad to have you on. Been um messing with this live stream, trying to get this set up. Don't know what I'm doing, but it seems like I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it looks like you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good. Now I want y'all to know, um, my aunt have about about twelve degrees. I want y'all to know <laughs> she had about twelve degrees and uh, very smart woman. Very smart woman. No, how many degrees do you have though, for real? Um, no, you went to about, about five schools. I think about seven. Cut grace, seven yeah, degrees. something like Lord, that. Between you and Mama, <laughs> I don't know how many she got, but she's been in school a long time. <laughs> now, the, today's topic is we're exploring for the ones who don't know, exploring mental health. That's that's what the title is. Now, uh. Let me give y'all a disclaimer. Um, this is my, I'm, I'm in my home studio. I'm not in a uh, regular studio. So if y'all hear my kids uh, talking, y'all let me know. I'm going to get my whooping when I finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, mental health, mental health, you know. Uh, talk about that. How did you get started in mental health? Well, just, I'm going to try to make this story somewhat short. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, well, well, throughout my course of life, even mm-hmm. uh, as an adult, I always knew that I was destined to help someone to, to, to do something to help people. Mm-hmm. And I can recall going on job interviews and, you know, they always ask that same question. What do you see yourself doing 10, 15 years from now? And my answer was always to help someone. But at that point, I didn't know what that was. I just knew that it was to help someone. Um, so some years later, um, I was actually going through some high school paraphernalia of mine. So I still, I still to this day, and it's been a long time since I graduated from high school, but to this day, I still have like my high school senior, senior books and my yearbooks and all that to this day. And mm-hmm. I was, and, and I had did a lot of searching myself as far as purpose and trying to find out what it was God, that God called me to do. So this particular day, I was going through my, I went out in my storage uh, storage building, brought these boxes in, and I realized just from looking through my yearbooks that, and looking at quotes that different classmates had written when I was a senior in high school, uh, saying things, certain things like, um, you're the only one in the world that know my dearest, my darkest secret is easy for you, you know, easy for me to talk to you. What I had realized in that moment was that I had been counseling all along. 
and I never, I never forget just sitting on, I was sitting on my living room table and tears just began to flow out of my eyes. And I was like, wow, I have been searching for outside, outside myself, but it was in me all along. So that really, uh, really hit home for me because I had been going to school and I was doing some, um, some peer counseling. And that really set the course for me to do what I needed to do to become licensed as, as a counselor. Um, and being born and raised as a PK, for those of you who don't know, a preacher's kid, with parents that always served and helped others, I knew at that point that this was this was it. This is what God had called me to do. Um, and I love doing it. I, I love helping people. I love helping people to heal. So around what time, what year did you... So, the, so I actually, I actually started um, in the late nineties. Um, uh, in the late nineties, I actually started, and I was doing actually doing some peer counseling and doing some counseling in my church. But I actually got licensed. Uh, it's been well over a decade now. I've been in private practice for about four or five years. Oh, your own private practice? Yes, I have a private okay. practice in Durham. Did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> so you you work, huh? I said nephew. <laughs> oh yeah. So you worked at uh North Carolina University, right? With during your during your time time of uh what is it? Uh, what you is it psych psychiatric or psychotherapy? Exactly so, what is it? Yeah, psychotherapy. Um, mm -hmm. so I actually um. Uh, work and I, and I currently work as a researcher at um at Carolina but I've also um as a part of my it, really a part of my most recent studies have also operated as a psychotherapist as well so I've been in throughout my years it's been I've been oh, really, really when I think about it, over 20 years um oh. of counseling in some form or another with psychotherapy I've worked in community mental health organizations I, I was in community mental health for over 10 years. Um, and I also have worked in the churches. I've gone into the homes of individuals, uh, working with adolescents and working with adults who were very chronic, uh, dealt with chronic mental illness as well. Um, so I've been in, been in it for quite some time and I've been in various areas, including the schools. Um, actually, I was the first um, in uh, Durham County to actually go into the school system as a co-located, it's called co-located mental health, where mm -hmm. the therapist actually go, a mental health therapist actually goes into the school to assist uh, and to help students, as opposed to the students coming to the private practice. Yeah. So what is the difference between working with kids and adults? Or do you work with both kids and adults? I, I do, and I have for some years, I, I, I'm working, I find that it seems to be sort of rolling out now. I'm working, I've been working primarily with adults, mostly as, well, after the, after the pandemic started, uh, prior to that, I was working with both and doing the, and, and, and in the beginning stages of the pandemic, I was working with both. Uh, but I'm still, you know, still open to working with both adolescents and children. It just seems like right now, most of my uh, clients and patients are adults and currently I am um, mostly virtual uh, seeing individuals via Zoom as a, I still have my private practice I still have my office 
But one big difference with working with adolescents and children and adults is that uh, with children, you know, it involves um, play therapy. You have to keep children's attention, of course, um, as opposed to working with adults. And it's a lot easier. I probably would not, I, I would not work with children uh, via telehealth. I think it's more effective to work with them in person. With adults, working with adults via telehealth or, or, or virtual is a lot is a lot easier. When you say that's a lot easier, who actual is it easier to work with adults than children? As far I, as I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say, and maybe easier is not the word I should use. I would mm -hmm. say because it's telehealth, and because with children you have to be more engaged uh -huh. and more to keep their attention, as opposed to them just sitting. And and talking uh, via telehealth or you know through Zoom, so that's that's what I mean by that. Uh, as far as I would guess, I would say technology wise, but okay. I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier working with one versus the other. It's just a matter of making sure that you're using the right therapeutic activities, interventions, strategies with adolescents um, and with adults. Sometimes children are. It, ch children are much more receptive than adults, and sometimes adults might be. It really just depends on who you're working with. Okay, so have you ever had the encounter of being physically harmed by one or one tried to attack you or anything? Fortunately, knock on wood, let me find some. I have not. Okay. I have not. I have not had that. Thank God. Yeah. Now, so let's touch on medications. Do you, do y'all, I don't know if you can talk about this, but do y'all give your clients medication or do you believe in the medication or medicating them? So I am a psychotherapist. Generally, psychotherapists work more with the uh, with the behavior aspect, mm -hmm. uh, with, with individuals sort of working with their thoughts, how their thoughts, their feelings, and behaviors sort of connect. Uh, psych uh, uh, psychiatrists is more of the medication doctor for mental health. So you have the psychotherapist, which would be me, and I will I work with psycho with with um with a to give the medication. Normally for me, uh, there are some cases that are pretty chronic that require medication. Medication for me, and every therapist is different. Medication for me is not the first go-to. Right. Uh, but I will say that for individuals that might need medications, and uh, that will be for, for, for cases that are pretty pretty uh, chronic, pretty extreme cases, that I would still recommend them also working with a behavior therapist, with a psychotherapist, in addition to taking the medication. So it's really important for the psychiatrist and the psychotherapist to work together with their patients. I don't Maybe I missed it. I don't know if you really, I don't know if I heard the total difference between the two psychotherapists and psychiatrists. What, what's the difference? Okay. So, so the psychiatrist is normally the, the, the person that um, administers the medication. That's, oh, a, that's okay. a psychiatrist for mental health. Now, you also have medical doctors that mm -hmm. will uh, also give medication. Normally for, from my experience anyway, normally for uh, mental illnesses such as such as like depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, things like that. Generally, though, the psychiatrist is the um, 
the the individual that uh, issues medication for mental health. And then this, I am a psychotherapist. So when you think about therapy, I'm the one that works with the behavior aspect with individuals. And that is changing the way that they think, uh, sort of re rewiring the brain uh, with the way that they think and, and handle, handle issues uh, so that then they could be in a better place and, and, and uh, so that, that healing can be promoted. Um, it's really important for the psycho uh, for the psychiatrist, which is the one that provides the medication, and the psychotherapist, which is the one that works more on the thoughts and the behaviors to work together. Mm. So do you ever feel like the ones that you do try to help, have there been any instances where you felt like there's no help for a person? Um, I may have had one case out of all of the probably hundreds of individuals that I've worked with where I felt that, and I would say the reason that I did was, and I would say with anybody, really, the reason that I did was, it was because she was not being compliant with the care. She was not working directly with me, but she was, but she was a parent of some children that I was seeing. Um, and that's because she wasn't really getting the care that she needed. Otherwise, I feel that there that individuals can be helped. It's just a matter of um, connecting and tying the the right resources, and that is working with the a therapist that really that you really connect with. It, that that's a, that's something that's really important and that people don't know is that you really want to work with a therapist that you can relate to, because it's a therapeutic relationship. And in any relationship, you want you want to work with someone that you can really connect with. Um, and so other than that, as long as, and, and this is something that I tell anyone that normally comes to me, that there are three things that if you come to your sessions, if you're being candid and open, and if you do the work, change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. So do they, yeah, uh, do they uh, seek you out or you uh, find them? How does that work? They seek me out. Normally, um, I am on a, a couple of um, uh, therapy websites and I also have my own website. And then uh, word of mouth. Um, word of mouth has been is really huge for me. And um, or sometimes someone may be looking up a therapist that fit a that has certain credentials that they may just Google and they may be looking for a therapist that meets certain things that they're looking for. And I, I get um, clients and patients that way as well. So how many different credentials do you have? You have a certain amount of credentials with, within psychotherapy or is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So as as far as, okay, so whenever someone's actually seeking out and, and just to be sort of general, I may ask someone how they actually came across my practice or my services. And someone may say something as candid as I was looking for an African-American female that specialized in trauma. Um, my specialties are trauma. Um, I work with a number of individuals that um, and I have over the years that may be dealing with PTSD or some trauma related uh, illness. Uh, and I work with individuals that uh, may, experience an, uh, may be experiencing anxiety and depression. And one thing about me too, and one thing that a lot of people may come to me for is they're also looking for a licensed psychotherapy that's also a Christian counselor. 
because it's wow. not too common to find both. Um, so, so, so those are generally some of the things that people are looking for, and when they sort of uh, when they find me, um, so that that's normally how that works. So you, so being a Christian psycho psychotherapist, mm -hmm. I think that helps you out more. It, it, it really. It really does. Um, there, there are. I can't. I can't count the number of times that someone may say, "Well, the one thing that I was seeking for, and one thing that brought me to your practice, was that not only are you licensed, but you're also a Christian counselor." I hear that. I've heard that so many times, um, and I think it's a benefit because one thing, and this is something that we can talk about for days, is that. There's a big, and, and this may take another may take another show in and of itself, is that there's a huge stigma in the church. Uh, I, I find that churches are now being more open to therapy, uh, but there's a, a huge stigma, and a lot of churches sort of, um, I would say ministries or whatever, sort of uh, are Christians, sort of frown upon therapy in a sense, and uh, for individuals to be able to have someone that's able to incorporate our physical mental which is who we are one thing that we all have to realize and even as christians is that we're more than just spirit we are also mental we're also physical and if you're not whole in all of those areas then you're not whole mm -hmm. um so that's why that's really really important so, so do you uh Cause I know, you know, for one, like schools and a lot of different things, they push God out of the picture. So there's no problem with you being able to do you talk about it during your sessions as far as Christianity or God, or anything during your sessions? Yeah. It, it, so one thing about it is that it's not something that you push on people in my line of work. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But if someone, what, what I do is I, I let people know, who I am and what I do. And if they're open to Christian counseling uh, to let me know. And if they say, well, sure, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Then what we do is that we integrate the um, traditional psychotherapy with Christian counseling. And you will be amazed at how they both really go hand in hand anyway, and how much the two really overlap, um, which makes it a lot easier. But it's not anything that uh, it's in my practice that is pushed on people, but it's something that people have a choice that if you want to receive Christian counseling and integrate that in, in addition to the traditional counseling, then uh, that's what we do. Okay. Yeah. So how did it feel once you got the DR in front of your name? <laughs> oh my gosh. Man, when I hear that, oh my goodness. It felt awesome. I mean, I I plugged away at for years, and it's really strange because it, it sort of came around in full circle because I actually started working on um my doctrine in I want to say 2009, mm -hmm. but I put a pause on it because there are some other things that I need to work on, including a part of which was getting licensure and all these type of things, and then it came back around. Um, maybe about it's been over two years ago, it came back around, and I actually started a couple of years ago and just quietly worked at it. 
uh, in addition to doing all of the other things that I'm doing, but when I got it, it, it was like, is this really true? Is all of my work done? Is all the writing done and, and all that done? Is it really, really done? And it felt like a huge weight just lifted off of my shoulders. And I still have yet to get used to, um, to hearing doctor. It sounds so beautiful, but I have to get used to it. I haven't gotten used to it totally yet. It's pretty new. I know what happened. You, you took a pause and got them other five or, or four degrees. That's what happened. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what happened. Doing, oh, yeah. doing those things and working on my private practice mm -hmm. and then sort of coming back around to do this. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that uh, becoming a doctor opened up more doors for you or is that or it, it was it's about the same as if you didn't have doctor in front of your name? Well, it definitely opens up more doors uh, because it extends the amount of expertise, mm -hmm. the amount of studying. And um, it also really introduced another um, therapy modality of which I can provide for my clients when I see them, uh, which is awesome. And it, it sort of puts you, puts you sort of in that expert category of, of the line of work that I'm doing. So it definitely opens up more doors for me. Well, that's good. Do, do you think, well, this is, I know you do psychotherapist. As far as mental health, that's been a big topic in the last couple of years. Do you believe everybody should have a therapist or a counselor? Um, I hear a lot now, of people say everybody need them. <laughs> yeah, and I do too. Um, I think, I don't know, and coming from a therapist, I don't know if I would say that everybody needs a therapist i would say that everybody needs some type of a support system uh if you're dealing with issues to the point where you can't function where you totally cannot function mm -hmm. i would say definitely get a therapist uh otherwise having a support system someone that you can really talk to mm -hmm. someone that you can confide in someone that can um be a great support system that can that can give a unbiased, a, a unbiased, I was gonna say not a, a opinion, but unbiased feedback, someone that can be a sounding board, someone that can give good advice. As long as you have some warm supports in your life. Because the thing about it is that everyone that comes to therapy, I don't believe that everyone that comes to therapy should be in therapy for life. I don't believe that. I think that you come, you get to a place of where you are able to heal and then you take the strategies that you learn and you use those strategies and, 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 and even uh, pay it forward where you are helping individuals now that you know. So that that's my take on, on that. Oh, I have one more question. I forgot why I was listening to you and thinking at the same time. But um, I, I've, I've thought about getting counseling before, just getting me a... a I don't know if I want to say mental health coach because I ain't crazy. <laughs> I, me, I just sometimes I think. Uh, I guess it also depends on the situation, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever was bothering that that person. Should they need one or not? You know, I, yeah. think some, I think some people do for the most part, but I don't know. And, and, and I wouldn't term it crazy. Um, I, I think I think that's the one thing that yeah, I think crazy. Said again? Did I say crazy? Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
guess that's, that's how we do. That's 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 that is sort of how we how we term it a lot of times though. But I think in some instances we all look crazy. Um, but I also think that it it really is a sounding board. It, it's mm-hmm. with professionals, with people that have been trained to really pull information out of you, to pull questions out of you, to even pull things that perhaps it may be a source of issues that you're dealing with that that affects not only your life but mm-hmm. those around you. And um, one thing that's really important too is that even in um in the in the churches and in ministry it's really really important to have an, an, an and going back sort of to what you asked about before about being a christian counselor is one thing about it is that everybody processes differently so you can go to church you can have 50 people sitting in that audience and everybody's hearing the same message everybody is going to process it i may hear something different one person may take what that preacher is saying and may take it in room with it. Another person may need just a little more work. And that's where that Christian counselor, that's where the psychotherapist comes in, where we can really partner with the churches, not work against one another, but really work together. Whereas that preacher may be preaching to the whole 50. I may need to go and take that one person by the hand and say, look, let's do some one-on-one work together. That 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 sermon was preached and you got that but it may take just a little more work with that individual because they may have a lot more deeper issues to deal with that, that where it may takes more than just hearing a sermon where they may need to work through it and what a professional such as myself do we're able to pull those questions out we're able to make you think about things that you probably never thought about that may be um that you may be dealing with because a lot of people sort of deal on the surface level of issue, of issues but sometimes there's something that's a lot deeper that you don't even realize that you're dealing with that causes you maybe to act the way that you do or to feel the way that you feel so that's where we come in so yeah. walk me through a session when somebody comes to you how how does that start okay um so Whenever someone comes to me for a uh, an initial session, we go through about an hour. Sometimes it can take a little over an hour of uh, of information where they are, where I'm getting a timeline of really what what is, what is it that brought you here? Uh, why is it that our paths cross? Why did you seek out help? And so we get a timeline as to what's going on. We look at what's called whatever the presenting issues is and that is what is that's going on in your life right now that that uh said i where you said i had i have to seek out i have to look for for some help i need therapy and so in addition to me listening to you and you providing me with information i'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions a whole lot of questions while you're talking i'm going to ask you to provide me with additional information i'm going to ask for any family um if any family history of information whether there is mental health um that may have been in your family are uh, lots and lots of questions um lots and lots of questions and then after that um i may i, I would take a look at what i have and then find out whether or not there's a diagnosis um if there's a diagnosis then we will 
um, proceed with with a treatment plan, and that treatment plan will be looking at be looking at what that individual uh, want their lives to look like after therapy is over, and then so you can come up with with a diagnosis just by talking to them. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's a matter of so we have um, our there's a therapy bio the, the DSM that actually has a has diagnosis in in this in, in this in this battle but once you're used to doing this you sort of know mm -hmm. but there are certain criteria there are certain symptoms that may fit that that do fit certain diagnoses the thing that we and we hear people loosely talk about where well, they're just bipolar they're schizophrenia or whatever and we, we hear, hear those terms used very loosely but what what brings about a diagnosis is a person's functioning. If they're able to function uh, in society, in their families, in their communities, and then it also looks like the long the, it looks at the longevity of the symptoms that they're experiencing. Say, for example, a person may have um, a symptom of depression. Maybe that a, a, if a person has been experiencing for a, a number of weeks have been feeling down and feeling heavy and feeling out and and so there are certain criteria certain symptoms that they have to meet and those symptoms have to meet a certain time span as well so that's what make it makes it more uh, makes it diagnosable and so just like a doctor medical doctor may diagnose you with a, a, a illness i diagnose mental health so do you know the difference or what is the difference between bipolar and schizophrenia you know uh, yeah so um just to sort of give a, a general a general definition of it um so someone that's someone that is diagnosed with bipolar they have really really lows where they feel really really down i've had individuals that say i feel so down that i feel so low that i can feel the weight on me it just I feel heavy and then they may have they and then they'll have really high points of being happy and overjoyed it may be a little compulsive that's just sort of a general definition someone that's dealing with schizophrenia may um uh hallucinate they may, hear, may hear voices sort of outside of their head um and so those are just some like generally some of the differences between those two have, have you heard me talk about my episodes I have with crying when I see father and son things? You ever heard that? I, I mean, no, I, I, I heard some, a little something when you said at one point in time, but I haven't heard not not in depth, no. But I don't think I need a counselor. But anyway, um, <laughs> at, at certain times when I see something about father and son, mm -hmm. you know, with me going to prison, my father not being there, and 40 let me say i say about 40 when i was probably about 40 years old i started having those episodes i was like mm -hmm. after all these years i never had those episodes never thought about it then at 40 i started crying i'm like what is this so what what do you think well i know what it is <laughs> but why do you think it happened so late in life so can you so get on air <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so the thing about it, and, and I wouldn't diagnose at, um, until unless we had unless there were a lot of more questions and, and we had a behind the scenes no, session. Up here, up here, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, what, but what I will say mm. that is not surprising for things to come out later in life. Mm. It, it happens more often than what people think. Right. Um, because a lot of times what happens is that people suppress mm -hmm. things that things that have happened when they were young. And it comes out in all in various behaviors, whether uh, it's something that may that may trigger you that 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 will be what you call a trigger if, when you see those types of things. And for whatever reason, you find yourself crying. Now, right. I would recommend therapy for something like that, because the question is, what what is going on there that is that, that is triggering you in that? And a lot of times it's a lot deeper than what you realize. And going to, going to therapy can really bring out the deepness of that where you can actually heal. A lot of uh, people don't think that trauma is healable, that you can heal from it. But I am a believer in that you can, as long as you're working, as long as you are working through it appropriately. Um, but it's not surprising that people, I, I, you would not believe the number of times that I've dealt with individuals that later on in life, I actually had a client once who was in her 80s that doing, in her 80s actually experienced and was triggered from um, something that happened to her as a child. Mm -hmm. So it's not unusual at all. But I will say in cases like that, it's definitely good to talk talk with someone so that you can deal with that, be able to address it, and not have to continue to deal with it um, for a prolonged amount of time. Right. Yeah, but I just, like, it never, like, I never held any grudge against my father. Never hated mm -hmm. him. Always loved him. So that's why I'm like, well, why is this happening now? But I don't, you know, yeah, I was just wondering, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, even, if there, and even if there's no grudge, or mm -hmm. if you didn't hate there's there may be something there that you don't even realize that therapy can can make you will will bring that up to you will bring that awareness to you so that you then can address it well that's why i'll be wondering like what can they tell me that i don't know you, you, <laughs> you would not you will be you will be very surprised you really oh, yeah. be very surprised. with the right therapist you would be very mm -hmm. surprised yeah because a lot of times things come out that you didn't have a clue that you were holding in or that you just absolutely did not remember yeah. Might one day. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it, it's always good because I, I look at therapy too as just self care. Mm -hmm. um, and, and self care and talking to someone that can be a sounding board that you can just totally just dump on and just totally un unload uh, and, and get uh, an unbiased, um, unbiased feedback, unbiased. Um, instructions or unbiased um when you can just talk to someone and they can provide you with the tools that you otherwise might not be able to get i mean you look at it as self-care because the one thing that we overlook so much and one thing that we don't do is that we don't take care of our mental health we can go to a doctor if we're if we feel like we're physically ill in a heartbeat but we neglect the mental aspect of things our mental health and a lot of times that mental health is the thing that may be triggering that physical thing. Whereas 
you you have sometimes people may go to the doctor over and over again for what they think is a physical is a physical illness or a physical issue and it could very well be mental uh the number of times i've heard individuals that may have like a panic attack feel like they're having a heart attack or they're um uh losing their breath shortness of breath and it, it's just stress related or it's dealing with anxiety but you actually feel it physically in your body so I, I think that the more we talk about this and I, and I appreciate you so much for having me on because the more we talk about this the more we can be just as accepted accepted of taking care of ourselves mentally just as we do physically all right you yeah. know I'm a, I'm a big advocate for physical health <laughs> yeah yeah. As you know that. Yeah. So I thought about someone you were saying that I've been seeing people uh, equate yoga to being demonic. Have you heard about that? I've heard about that. Um, I I've heard, start hearing um, about that. Well, I don't know. If, I haven't heard the demonic part. I've heard about where yoga sort of where it stemmed from and well how it sort of can be connected to something else i have um but I, I think that from my experience i'm not a yoga expert though i do believe in self-care and i do have my clients and patients make sure, sure that they're engaged in some form of exercise that is beneficial for them but i think it really depends on the extent to the extent of the practice of that yoga of that person Mm -hmm. uh, because you can take, you can take, and I know that even in my mom's time of, of, of evangelizing, whereas you had uh, different people that were was dealing with like more of the, um, that would come to her that needed to be delivered from witchcraft and individuals was, were using eggs. Does that make eggs demonic? It was the use of and how they were using it uh, during, you know, during that time. And so I think it really just depends on that person's practice of it versus you have a lot of the community fitness places that just use it as a, as a stretch and a way to stretch. So I'm not, I'm not an expert on it, but that's just my take on it. Yeah, that's why I first heard start people talking about it. I'm like, hold up, man. I do yoga. I ain't, I ain't never thought about no demons or doing nothing to being the devil. <laughs> yeah, me either. Me either. Yeah. I don't know where it came from. I, I didn't look up no studies up about it i just thought to ask you that while you was talking yeah yeah so so what's next what's next for you what are any things you got coming up as far as dealing in the community or i i do uh, i'm actually working on a book okay. um that should be published by the first of the year and, and the, uh the the um, it, it's going to be a book that really helps people to really see and to find out what their calling is and we we look at we're going to be looking at the difference of your calling and your purpose and how to really walk in that calling because a number of people when you talk about mental illness a number of people are dealing with depression because they don't even know what their calling is they don't know what their purpose in life is they feel like they are just uh on this earth just aimlessly just wandering on the earth and uh, when people realize that they are here for a reason that they do that they are meaningful that their lives do mean something it can get them out of bouts of mental illness and so we're going to be focusing on that we're, we're the, the book is going to be more of a guide or a journey where you're going to be working through some processes through the book 
I'm not just simply reading. I'm, I'm not a believer just simply just reading, but of taking steps um, after each chapter and taking it into practice and doing something about it so that you can find out what that calling and that purpose is as you're going through the book. So look, look out for that um, at the beginning of the year. And uh, I'm also working on some other things, working on uh, some retreats right now and just doing, doing a lot of things right now, just working on um, my life coaching business is, is evolving. So just doing a number of different things. Mm, so, so, you know, I've been working on my book too for I don't know how long, but um, it's going to get there. You might push me more to might challenge and try to race you just to get me get me going let's do it let's do it come on let's let, let's do it we'll, we can be each other's accountability partners yeah yeah it'll be good yeah. so where can people find you on facebook instagram or yeah like so, so people can go to my website um uh and actually if if anyone that's listening wants to uh get a you can get a free 15 minute uh consultation you can just go directly to my website, adrenajonesbunton.com, um, www.adrenajonesbunton.com. And on the face of my website, you can click for a free 15-minute consultation. I can help guide, uh, uh, guide and direct you if you're seeking for uh, some psychotherapy, Christian counseling. Uh, you can actually uh, can see me. And you can also find me on uh, Facebook, Adrena Jones Button PLLC, which is the name of my private practice as well. Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad you was able to get on. No, it's late. What time is it? About ten. Well, not not quite. I'm not glad quite. You able to get on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, right. and I'm and I'm glad to be here. I thank you again for inviting me, and hopefully we can do some more talking about this in in other formats. There are so many different areas and. So many right. different angles that we can address. So I, I thank you so much for uh, for having me on. No problem. All right. There you have it for another episode of the MPL Fork Podcast. Tune in to next time. If you like what you saw, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the MPL Fork Podcast. <laughs>